welcome to EPRI Unplugged, the podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Amy Mills. In our latest conversation, we're diving into the world of integrated resource planning. Joining me in our studio is one of EPRI's resident experts on the topic, Mark McGranigan, Vice President of Distribution and Energy Utilization. Thanks for being here, Mark. Oh, my pleasure. Well, integrated resource planning. These planners play a really unique role within the utility industry as the people tasked with anticipating what the future will hold, a future where the system is changing dramatically. For our listeners who may not be as familiar with the IRP role, can you explain a bit about what that is? Well, integrated resource planning is is a, a topic that really addresses including all the different categories of generation resources that might be applicable in the power system of the future. So renewables, even energy efficiency and demand response, uh, along with traditional resources of fossil fuel generation and, and hydro, and looking at the uh, the economics and other issues associated with, with that whole range of resources. And there's a lot of new issues that come into play as we include renewables and demand response along with traditional generation resources. In, in my area in particular, transmission and distribution that comes into play when we want to deal with those resources. And what are some of the specific challenges that we're facing? Well, one one challenge is uh, is planning. So the resources, renewable resources such as wind, are are very competitive now with with other generation resources. But they may not; those resources may not be located in a convenient place. So we need new transmission to get that generation that power to where the the loads are. Um, it also introduces a topic of flexibility, and since the wind is not blowing all the time, it may create new requirements for our existing generation or the need to create other flexibility resources like energy storage or demand response to make sure that we have enough enough generation and, and control of the, the load itself to match up with things like, like wind and solar. And what about electrification? Does that play a role in this as well? Well, resource planning addresses both the load and the generation. So electrification is a challenge for us to understand what the the electric load in the future will look like. And as we, we look at transportation and new electrification technologies like heat pumps and other industrial technologies, that can really change the, our load forecast for the future, which then changes our, our generation needs as well. So what are some of the areas that EPRI is looking at in relation to some of these challenges? Well, in the various programs, we're looking at virtually all the areas. So, um, but in my my areas in particular, in the transmission and distribution, um, looking at the, you know, we we published a document called the Integrated Grid Framework that that outlined the kind of analysis that we need to do to integrate these other types of resources that might be part of an integrated resource plan. So, looking at the the transmission requirements from a planning perspective, looking at what that means in terms of flexibility requirements, and then all the way down to the distribution system in terms of how we're going to integrate and manage distributed resources like solar that may be part of that mix as well, are specific research programs that we have going on. And you mentioned solar. I want to talk a little bit about renewables because they have gotten so much attention lately. We'll start maybe with wind and come back around to solar. On February 12th, there was an interesting development with wind in that a grid operator, uh, Southwest Power Pool, 
which manages 60,000 miles of transmission from Montana to Texas, reported that wind supplied 52% of their electricity. Now, this is a new record, correct? And, and they didn't see any reliability issues in that. There you go. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> now, really, uh, it's the Southwest Power Pool, like Germany, which has had numbers like that and, and, and larger than that in terms of uh, the daily percentage of their generation that was made up by, by solar and wind um, has the advantage uh, that it's interconnected with other power poles. If we look at the percentage of wind in that whole interconnected system, it was much less than 52 percent. Um, if we if we get over 52 percent for a whole day, Ireland gets close to that. Ireland has had days when they've been in the 40 to 50 percent range. Um, and they still make the system work, and that's just an isolated system. So, but that is kind of approaching the number where where we think about flexibility requirements and and being able to manage the matching of the generation and the load on a continuous basis and meeting inertia requirements um, for the system to keep it stable. So uh, we start to get a little bit nervous in, in, at those kinds of numbers, but it's a very important research area. And so how are utilities accounting for that, for there being more wind generation and that generation may be traveling greater distances over the transmission system? Yeah, so the, the, the requirements for the transmission system is one thing that, that we can deal with at, at a planning level and understand what the impacts are pretty well. One of, the, one of the things that's most important when we start reaching these high penetration levels is the topic of forecasting, and that's an important part of our research as well. If we can actually predict the wind generation reasonably accurately and know what, where we need to have the other generation on the system and know that we're going to need the transmission system to be operating with, with those flows, um, we can manage it. It's The problems occur where we predicted that wind was only going to be 30% in that hour, and it actually was 50%, and we don't have the other generation lined up to be to be online at the time that we really start scrambling to, to keep the system working. So forecasting is a big topic of research. With wind, it, it makes the forecasting more complicated, but we are getting better at it, you know, with, with weather models and, and multiple forecasting services and, and uh, new technology. So that's very exciting. So you say we're getting better at it. Do you see a point where we feel confident in it? I think uh, we, we're getting more confidence with with forecasting wind, and we, we will still have to have resources that can come in and when when we when we have errors and to, to make up for them. But those will become less frequent. I think solar is an area where. Um, is probably the next challenge in terms of the forecasting, especially distributed solar. But, but solar in general is is a little bit more difficult to get the the variations forecasted correctly. So that's a that's a challenge going forward. Where probably the confidence is not quite so high. Well, and that's next on my list. So good segue. I, and we're sitting in North Carolina, which is now fourth in the nation in solar generation. So when, when you're looking at challenges across the U.S. in integrating this, what's going to be key? I hear a lot of talk about smart inverters, about energy storage. How do we become more successful with solar? Well, uh, let's talk about solar in two categories. We have big solar installations that are essentially like big wind farms and and they're managed and monitored and forecasted 
um, as a generation resource in in, in similar manner to, to big wind farms, and we can deal with those. Probably the bigger challenge is distributed solar um, spread out on distribution systems. We have the issue of how much of that distributed solar a distribution system can handle without impacting voltage or protection on the distribution system or even thermal limits of the of the lines and the equipment on a distribution system. So a lot of technical issues with distributed solar and and it's it's influencing the requirements for our distribution management systems in the future in general. And that's where things like so, like uh, smart inverters do come into play. Um, we're just really finishing the initial standards related to that technology, which will then set the stage for having interoperability within it, actually being able to take advantage of the capabilities of those kinds of technologies. So um, we've, we've got a ways to go with, with integrating solar at high penetration levels where we really make it part of the way we operate the system as opposed to just accommodating it. And I'm actually going to drill down a little bit in what you just said, mentioning the codes and standards, because EPRI is doing a lot in that area. What is the focus there? Yeah. So the focus, first of all, is what are the basic requirements that we need to interconnect that technology with the grid, both for safety, which has been a traditional thing that we've had pretty well straight for a long time. We've focused on safety, maybe at the expense of interoperability. So when in doubt, just get off the system. And now that it's becoming high penetration, we need to refine that to, well, don't get off the system all the time because if you all get off the system, it's going to create other problems. So we're trying to to make the standards so that we can control that resource and safely, but but have it be able to continue to operate with momentary disturbances on the grid, as well as even participate in managing the voltage and reactive power and and things like that on the grid. Those are some of the functions of this the, the, the smart inverter technology that we can take advantage of and may actually be beneficial, and you know when we can can start really taking advantage of that power electronics. And we've engaged with IEEE on some standards and, and protocols. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the main the main uh, standard is this IEEE 1547. That's the, the number that you hear. It's going through a major revision. IPRI is is working hard on on that. It's 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 in this process of migrating from safety related standards to really interoperability and integrated operation standards where we define a basic set of functions for these inverters and these distributed resources that in terms of communications capability so that we can integrate them with distribution management systems with voltage control with reactive power control with ride through characteristics both for frequency variations and for voltage variations so that it's a, a better compatible player on on the grid and we're just actually ready to release the draft standard that is a much larger and more comprehensive document than we've had in the past. The, the whole industry is very excited about that. We'll be looking forward to comments from the industry and hopefully get it out there because many utilities are looking to that to be able to develop a new set of requirements based on that standard for distributed resources in the future. It applies to both PV and, and it's energy storage, by the way. Energy storage is one of the resources that will help with this integration, but has the same kind of inverters that we need to make them work compatibly with the distribution system. And then let's talk about energy storage. How, Great. You know, how does that fit into this big picture? Well, we mentioned flexibility. And 
there's it's just a simple fact that solar and wind generation are variable and intermittent just by their nature. And uh, that creates the need for resources that overall for, for matching generation and load can can make the system operate. So the, those flexibility needs, whether it's meeting peak requirements or ramping requirements created by clouds coming over PV or wind stopping, stopping to blow, um, can be provided by energy storage. It's one of the flexibility resources that, that can be very uh, competitive and, and valuable for the system in the future. We're starting to see significant applications in California and Hawaii and some places in Europe and um, taking advantage of, of cost structures that are being driven by um, customers' electronic devices as well as electric vehicles. So energy storage definitely has, has a role in the future, and, and uh, it's going to be exciting to, to see if it can, can help with these flexibility requirements. And I want to talk a little bit, too, about distributed energy resource management. As we're seeing more maybe small installations pop up, rooftop solar, how are utilities approaching that as this individual home versus a larger community of those individual homes? For the most part, utilities are accommodating distributed resources right now rather than controlling them and managing them. The concept of a distributed energy resource management system is a goal and an objective. We call them DERMs. And uh, we are testing those technologies at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory as well as our own our own labs in Knoxville um, from various vendors. And uh, they are a, a work in progress. So it's, it's an exciting new, uh, new area to be able to, to take distributed PV and energy storage and even demand response and control electric vehicle charging and all together make that part of managing the distribution system so that it uh, operates in a more optimum manner with, with those combined resources and loads. And we're getting there. We, we're actually we have a project with Arizona Public Service uh, that they just won an award at Distributech for, where from the substation out to smart inverters, we're we're talking, controlling those smart inverters, downloading control functions, and showing that it can be, they can be operated with the distribution system. So that's a kind of a crude derms that they developed themselves um, before the standards at 1547 that we mentioned is really out there. So other utilities are kind of waiting for the standard before they start to actually implement those functions and and try out DERM systems from actual vendors. But it's it's coming. We're on the leading edge there. So a lot of utilities are watching to see what happens. Yeah, or have their very small trials going on to, to see what's, see how it can work. So how much of a difference do you think that could make, having that DERM system in place? I think there's a, a big potential. You know, one of the initiatives that, that we'll be starting this year is what we call the customer model of the future. I think just the the customer as a dynamic resource has tremendous potential in the distribution system. So combined with PV, which is less controllable, we have controllable loads and devices within the customer's facility, house, building, commercial building, industrial facility whether it's electric vehicle charging or smart thermostats or water heaters or or other loads as well as energy storage, that there, there's a, a real opportunity to be able to integra- integrate very significant levels of PV and operate the distribution system 
more efficiently. Sometimes it's referred to, uh, especially in New York and California right now, but really everywhere as non-wires alternatives. So it actually can save utilities money in investing in the distribution system of the future by using these resources to, to manage load instead. Now, you mentioned the integrated grid. That's been a big focus of EPRAES for the last couple of years, and there's pilot projects that are underway. What are examples of some of those pilot projects and what we're learning from that? So we have a number of categories for those pilot projects, but those categories are really just examples of different resources that can be integrated as part of this whole integrated grid concept, whether it's electric vehicle charging. A number of projects are involved with um, electric vehicle charging infrastructure and managing the charging so that it can benefit the operation of the grid in addition to meeting the requirements for customers charging their cars. I mentioned the Arizona project. A number of projects involve PV um, with and without energy storage to make the PV more compatible with the distribution system. We have a whole category around connected customer devices in California. We're working on a a couple of projects related to net zero energy homes, which really involves energy efficiency and smart customer technologies to control their energy use and will be a good uh, lead in to to customer technology integration in general. So um, the whole range of these distributed resources that one at a time, we can figure out what it's going to take to integrate them and then figure out um, algorithms and approaches for optimizing them all working together. Well, and a quickly changing landscape. Uh, Just the other day, I was walking through my neighborhood and saw another home that suddenly had solar panels. So this is evolving very quickly. Two, three years from now, where do you think we'll be in this environment? Well, PV definitely continues to grow in its application. Costs keep coming down depending on um, how costly electricity is where you're living and how much the sun shines. You know, it may be ready to go now or it may be ready to go in five years or maybe ready for you in 10 years, but it's coming. And um, PV is is coming at at much higher penetration levels virtually everywhere. Um, And all of the technologies that we talked about are coming with it. The Internet of Things um, applies to not only the customer technologies, but the technologies actually on the distribution system in general in terms of uh, sensors and data to help us manage the system better as we as PV penetration grows, all the technologies that we need to help support that will be coming along along with it. And hopefully we'll continue to make the advances in our planning tools and our operation tools to make them all work together. That's our goal. If you had one piece of advice for the people working in IRP, what would it be? <laughs> Don't be afraid to consider this whole range of resources as part of the mix. The technology to integrate the customer, integrate these distributed resources, make them part of the mix is is coming and it's going to work. It's going to work. (laughs) All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time and for sitting down with me today. My pleasure. Thanks a lot, Amy. Until next time, we're shaping the future of electricity.